Hello and welcome to The Big Rishi, the podcast where we track the first 100 days of Rishi Shanak's premiership, see if he does what he said, and if he gets up to any other fun scrapes you want to talk about. Joining me today are Ben Blissett, TLDR, the UK's lead writer and podcast guest. Hi, thanks. <laughs> and Rory Taylor, um, TLDR's social media coordinator. Hello. How are you doing? Good. good. It's weirdly yeah. challenging remembering people's names while yeah. they do that. I, Did you they're give, just panic in my eyes you constantly. Ben a title of podcast guest. Guest. Which is He's yeah. a regular guest. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you, in a recent Nebula exclusive video, you described yourself as the person who does podcasts and things. So. Yeah, I do yeah. podcasts and things. I think guest is. You're a, um, <laughs> One day I'm going to be introduced to... as just Ben Blissett podcast guest. Yeah. 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 Fair, We're yeah. getting there slowly. Okay. We should talk about politics. How many to. more episodes of this are there? I don't. I mean, two a week. We're sorry, not even sixty days. We're not halfway. We're not halfway through. No. We're, are day, we not? we're day forty-one of Rishi Sunak's premiership. Yeah. Seriously? Yeah. Yeah, we've got a long way to yeah. go. Um, How long did trust last? About forty. Forty about something. Now. Actually, yeah, it must be coming up to. She, she lasts about forty-nine, fifteen, for forty-one. So yeah, because she resigned on like the forty-fourth day and then mm. had another week or so. She's doing pretty well. Yeah. Good so hopefully we find stuff to talk about. The fact for the that next you seem days. actively depressed about the fact you've got another sixty days of uh, sixty days—that's a lot of episodes. And yeah. also, it's boring. You get used to getting a new prime minister every yeah. forty-something days. What's this about? Yeah, want, yeah. This podcast has really suffered from the fact that um, politics has got less spicy. Yeah. Stress. I think that's fair to say. But let's keep the enthusiasm. Yeah. Up. You know, there's stuff that's happened. Stuff there's some exciting stuff happening today. Today. You today. should. Yeah. You should still watch. Okay, so the first issue we need to discuss then, if we really do have to continue this podcast for another 60-something <laughs> days, um, grammar schools. Wow. Yes. Whoa. Whoa. Big one. This yeah. is, we've been Huge. saving this one. Yeah. We, we, at the beginning of this, we said, oh, save it for about <laughs> episode 40. Yeah. We'll want to talk about I'm grammar schools. This. I, I know that you're both thinking this isn't that interesting a topic. Now, it's I'm, not in the thumbnail, let, you t- let me tell you that. Well, let me let me, let me me put it put it this way. I think that this story sort of outlines the huge differences between Sunak and Truss. It highlights the discontent on the backbenches. And I think actually discussing a ban on grammar schools and the sort of high level uh, nature of that yeah. and the, the pros and cons of grammar schools, I think that's an interesting, I think that's an interesting conversation to have. I don't think this is nearly as dull as you both are clearly thinking it You've is. You've barely we'll kept me out. awake with that hype. <laughs> so let's, let's roll straight. In. Okay, well, we have to start with a boring background, which is, uh, so, you know, yeah. strap in. I'm ready. Ready? I'm ready. When I came in the office today, yeah. on the train, all I heard, grammar schools, gram- everyone's talking about grammar every, schools. Every front page, all the headlines, yeah. grammar schools. I think bus ads, they're taking them out for grammar schools, pro and con. I'd say the, the world is talking about grammar well, schools think, today. Yes. So, Ben... Thank you. Why is the entire globe talking about British grammar well, schools today? Well, that's a good question, Jack. Basically, it's because there's uh, Sunak, Rishi Sunak is facing a rebellion on a plan to get rid of the ban on grammar schools. So just a bit of background. The new Labour government banned the creation of new grammar schools. So they Do we need to go even... I think we need to explain what grammar schools What is a grammar school? Oh, yeah. so, uh, I don't even really know. Okay, so a, a grammar school... Did you go school, to a grammar school? I did not go to a grammar school. Did you go to a grammar school? I did. You went so to a I grammar feel, school? Whoa, big reveal. Yeah, so conflict of interest. Uh, I went to grammar school. Huh. I feel like your best place to expect. I, I went They're to a school called a grammar school that wasn't that a grammar school. That lied about, that lied about yeah. being a grammar school. You went school. to a fake grammar school. I went to a school called Beverly Grammar School. That's and tragic, it's not, Ben. It was a comprehensive. Yeah. yeah. Um, Don't really know why. Anyway, where are we? What's a grammar school, Rory? A grammar school, to put it very simply, it's a selective state-funded secondary school. Okay. So for children. So you're children, better than us. Okay. Okay. Well, you know. 
We don't have to go there. And that <laughs> right there is the problem. People between the ages of 11 and 18, so when mm-hmm. you leave school, um, at the age of 10 or 11, when you're at the end of primary school in the UK, mm-hmm. you might take a, an exam called the 11 plus, which if, you, if you're in whatever top percentage of that those results you get a place at a grammar school they're mm-hmm. kind of really unevenly spread around the country so in the part of the country where i'm from there's quite a few grammar schools and i know elsewhere there are less grammar schools and do um, you viewer do you uh <laughs> they didn't teach me that i no, can tell you that no. so, wait, wait 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 so rory went to a grammar school yeah yeah you went to a fake grammar school i went, I went just to a comprehensive yeah. but were there grammar school real grammar schools in your area or just no grammar i schools? don't even know i uh I know there were private schools. I don't That's know if different. I know it's different. But I don't know of any grammar schools. There were no area. grammar schools where I grew up. I really? a normal school. Interesting. Essex is full of grammar schools. You can't move for grammar schools. It's crazy. Okay, so now we've got our disclosures out of the way. Yeah. Yeah. Should we? What do you think of grammar schools? This is kind oh, of this, wait, is, oh, this, this is quite comes big. later. <laughs> yeah, that's quite. We, we've got to, we've got to no, explain it why it's in the why it it's in the news come up later. <laughs> Actually, yeah, it doesn't come. Up. Okay, yeah. what do you think of grammar schools, Rory? Having been to one, uh, having been to one, so they're, they're pulling out all the smartest kids, put them in a room. They they select for certain skill sets at age eleven, which you know difficult is you can't say age eleven this person's smart, this person's less mm-hmm. smart. You know, it's kind of it's entirely based on these exams they give, which is math, English, and verbal reasoning. Okay, um, my perspective is that grammar schools are great for the people who go to them. They do a very they, they do a great job at education. Um, but the flaw with them is, you know, that it creates a slightly two-tier system mm-hmm. of state-funded education, and it also you're telling children age 11 that they're either clever enough to go to one school or they're not clever enough, yeah. and I don't think that's a very healthy thing to we, say. We, we did a video earlier this year on um, uh, shake-ups to universities, and, and some of the, in some of the reports written about that, one by the Tony Blair Institute, he was saying that one of the, the big, or the organisation was saying, that one of the big uh, difficulties in this country and why universities um, and the application process is so difficult is because of the amount of pressure put on students mm-hmm. in certain exams and that the disparity between different, um, you know, each individual university is better than the other. But the point with that is that the amount of pressure put on kids from age 10 mm. on each exam will determine you going to a different university and even one difference mm-hmm. in university will be better than an- another one. So, uh, you know, I think that the idea of testing kids aged 11 and changing the outcome of yeah. their, you know, their life and their education yeah. seems you do slightly sats, morally though. questionable. But Not sats, everyone. But <laughs> I didn't do SATs. What do you mean you didn't do SATs? I didn't do Everyone sats. did SATs. I, I thought it was legally sats. required. But. My, I think my year, or my teachers in they my year, forgot. Had, they, they did some sort of protest again and they made us, our whole class didn't do SATs. Wow. So what? I don't have SATs. I got it, but this is my point. Well, you've done well. You've well, got, got it today, at least. Oh, yeah. you're a clever little lad. You managed yeah. it, even without your sats. <laughs> but, I just, but no, yeah. your sats do dictate, like, your sets and stuff in school, right? Which isn't... Is, is, isn't at the end of d- primary school, so... But even still, I think, don't secondary oh, schools take it into account when they're... Possibly. I don't know, maybe they don't. But, like, sets in school, I mean, it's not as a clear distinction. You're, no, you're not saying, okay, you're going to the smart people's mm. school, you're going to the normal people's school. But it kind of... If you're in... If you're going into secondary school... But and they're all... immediately putting you in seven, set seven, eight for maths. Yeah. That kind of is saying, hey, buddy, you're not great at maths. Not all schools had, I remember in the, in like year seven, eight, nine, so the first few years of mm. secondary school for international viewers, they didn't do, um, they didn't do sets for many subjects. I think maybe maths did. I think English, math, science definitely did. Science oh, we definitely never had English sets. 
Really? No, all never, the way through? All the way through. We never had English sets. Science sets. Are we had English sets later on. We had English sets from the beginning. We had loads of maths early. Yeah. Well, what are your views on it, Jack, on grammar schools? I'm against, if that wasn't clear. Yeah. I'm broadly against. But I think it's familiarity, isn't it? Like, yeah. I don't fully grasp this. I mean, obviously, I've heard Rory's lovely explanation. It sounds like he had a great time. So oh, I don't, wonderful, want to, yeah. don't want to take that away from him. But I do think that, like, the separation, I really see much yeah. benefit. Like, if if we can make education better in grammar schools by doing certain things, why isn't that same funding and knowledge and whatever think, being implemented everywhere? Yeah. I think like, funding feels is, weird. My, is my main issue is it's state yeah. funded. So private schools, there are a whole different set of issues with them, but the individuals pay for them mm-hmm. that go. Whereas grammar schools, you're... you're the, the taxpayer is funding yeah. them, but well, only just certain like a kids can, school. can go yeah. in. But I presume, but they will get different teachers and things like that. Yeah, but I mean, they don't get. I don't think they get more funding, or I don't actually know. I have no idea. But they I certainly they get. Don't. You would imagine the cost per student of yes. a student at grammar school is a lot yeah. lower because the people who need special assistance and things are at the whatever you call the regular yeah. schools which means so that with the same funding yeah exactly the, especially the students who didn't quite make it to grammar yeah. school they're presumably getting less funding per person than the grammar school kids are because they're not getting the extra funding and support that lower kids obviously need and deserve but equally they're not getting the same split mm. that, i don't know i'm guessing i think the key question and hopefully we'll come on to this because this is actually what the story is about is uh whether you create new grammar schools yes or yeah. Uh, ban them entirely so, and turn them into regular non-selective schools. Yes. So this, this is what this is why everyone's new talking about today. Yes. So, so what New <laughs> Labour did was that they they didn't get rid of grammar schools. They still exist. Mm-hmm. You know, eleven-year-old Rory would still be able to go to a grammar school today. Yeah. Um, oh. They just they banned the creation of new, new grammar schools. Um, so that that was obviously controversial with the Conservative Party, mm-hmm. who um, is the only party that have members of it that, are, or at least a contingent of the mm-hmm. party that are sort of in favour. Um, Liz Truss, when she ran for leadership, said that she would uh, reverse mm-hmm. the ban on the creation of new grammar schools, yeah. which got quite a few backbench Tory MPs quite excited because mm-hmm. uh, they love they they what they want to get you know they want to overturn the ban. They 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 hadn't really um, had a chance to do that before with previous leaders, mm-hmm. and now Richie Sunak today has confirmed that they're not going to overturn this ban. So he's confirmed that they're not to so the opposite of trust. Yeah, the opposite Basically, of trust. Basically, okay. everything with grammar schools that's happening before trust. Nothing has changed. The ban, on new, the ban on new grammar schools. So you're telling me, Ben, under everyone in the entire world is talking about grammar schools. Absolutely everyone. Because yeah. a prime minister who was in power for 40 days said they'd do something different, and then they said, ah, nah, we're not doing it. We're sticking No, in. there's more to it. Uh, sorry. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> I'm not having that this story this whittles down slander. in such a way. Um, they, 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 but, okay, as okay, I said, do you want to clarify that? Okay. Why has Sunak rolled back on Liz Truss's commitment on overturning grammar school ban? Well, Rishi Sunak is, say in a more convincing way, um, because Rishi Sunak is a, is a, is a, has a different ideology to Truss. Truss was a lot more right-wing mm-hmm. and, and represented more of the libertarian faction, less state intervention, mm-hmm. one, one, presumably... Uh, is more happy with sort of divergences in education um, than Sunak is. So basically, it's just a d- difference in ideology and that this represents that. The more interesting thing with this, though, is the fact that there are a number of Conservative backbenchers who are not happy about what Rishi Sunak has said today. There's a bill going through Parliament soon, the schools bill, which doesn't have anything to do with, with grammar schools in yet, but obviously the nature of bills going through Parliament yeah. is amendments can be proposed. Now, Jonathan Gullis, who is a backbench Conservative MP, who uh, is against the ban on mm. grammar schools yeah has are you have, have i lost you no i'm just reading forward on the questions and Sorry. there's some there's some crackers coming up okay um 
he's suggested that there are about 50 MPs, Jonathan Gullis has yeah. suggested about 50 MPs who uh, want who, who are going to go public and would put in an amendment who could maybe mm-hmm. back an amendment to these overturn the ban. Conservative MPs. Conservative yeah. MPs. So these are conservative MPs who are upset that in the late 90s, early 2000s, a ban mm. on grammar, new grammar schools was put in. Yes. They then backed trusts who wanted to scrap yes. the ban. Then Sunak has said, we're leaving the ban. Yes. And now 50 people are saying... Huh, let's we're going to use the schools bill. Yeah, Mm, it's unlikely that it'll be successful because fifty isn't enough. It's not. Labour and the Lib Dems will obviously vote against that amendment, and most Conservatives will as well. So it probably won't happen. But the point with with this whole story is that it represents yet again more divergences in the Conservative Party. It's factionalised. It's still tearing itself apart. There are still Liz Truss contingents going up against Rishi Sunak. It is amazing. The trust, despite how small, how small, how short the trust era Mm -hmm. was, the things that she proposed in that very short era, Mm -hmm. including. Uh, onshore wind and something else that I can't remember. They're, they're being used. They're still the battle lines that are of kind course. of in the Conservative Party. Yeah, yeah. But uh, my point is, is that this might seem small on the surface, mm. but it represents a much larger ideological um, divide and shows that, as you, you <laughs> very, very eloquently, <laughs> as you and as you very eloquently yeah. said, Rory, it shows the sort of power of the the fact that the trust, list, yeah. of trust and, and her ideology and the fact that it's still influencing the Conservative Party. Clearly, there is some deeper import to this story beyond just the fact that Rory went to a fancy school and some people like that and some people don't. Mm. There is clearly a dividing line here within the Conservative Party. Um, They're not the only ones with some contention today, though. Obviously, this is the bigger issue. (laughs) But Starman's got some struggles as well. Struggles, you could call them struggles. Starmer struggles, is that yeah, the next? This is a new podcast. Right. Um, do you want to run through why Labour have been so prominent in the news today? Because if, if people aren't talking about grammar <coughs> schools, you always, yeah. if, you, if you overhear someone talking and you can tell they're not talking about grammar schools, it's, it's Labour. It's thing they're talking it's about. Labor. So it's... why are Labour are in the news today? Why? Um, it's a great question, Jack. Um, it's basically because they've come up with some uh, a new... Uh, policy document well, that was produced by Gordon Brown um, on former Prime Minister, former yeah. Prime Minister Gordon Brown hated grammar schools. Who, yes, very true. Um, or well, I don't know if that's <laughs> true, but he was a lead part of the government that legislated against the creation of new ones. Um, but basically, they, they've come up with a document mm-hmm. uh, about uh, constitutional reforms that Labour could make had, if they come to power in twenty four. Sure, it should be made clear just from the offset that this isn't hasn't been confirmed that this is going to be in the manifesto. Mm-hmm. Um, that still needs to be voted on. Um, but provided that these are the, 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 these recommendations are voted into the manifesto, there are some pretty big. Uh, you know, quite bombshell um, policies. One yeah. of the biggest ones that are being spoken about today is that of uh, the House of, House of Lords reform. Um, Labour has tried to make some changes with the House of Lords for a number of years. Mm-hmm. Labour um, famously had come up with some policies to try and um, change it to be a more uh, democratic chamber. Yeah. That didn't really happen. There was some consultations with well, David Cameron. If well, I could, no, they, yeah. Ooh, they, 99 na- na- Parliament Act was pretty major. Yes. And yeah. they, they, no, no, they... No, 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 John Major was out like that. <laughs> yeah. Pretty blur. They were elements blair. of it, but they didn't go as far well, as some were expecting. Yeah, yeah. So they got rid of hereditary peers, famously. Most one of them, of the, yeah. Most of them. Yeah. There's still Par- some knocking about. Yes, mm. due to the Weatherill Amendment. Um, there you go. But... Yes, anyway, so they made some changes, but they never went as far as people were yeah. sort of expecting Effectively, we still to. have a House of Lords. We still have a yeah. House of Lords, and it is still not democratic. Sure. So the, one of the biggest changes would be that they'd want to create the, this House of Lords. There were also some other things that aren't really being spoken about as much. Um, so there's there's some stuff on more devolution powers to, to sort of mayors. 
um, tax raising powers for them. Mm -hmm. um, there are some policies on sort of disallowing MPs or making it harder for MPs to have jobs outside of Parliament. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah, but as I say, the biggest thing by far is the House of Lords stuff. Mm. Um, there's also stuff on the devolved powers, Scotland, Wales, Northern Ireland yes, as well. Course, they want to sorry. give more power to that. It's effectively just a whole... They're saying they want to do a whole reworking of the constitutional setup effectively. Mm -hmm. um, I think Keir Starmer described it as the biggest transfer of powers away from Westminster ever, mm. uh, if, if it all happens. Leveling up the constitution. Yeah, it is just leveling up, effectively. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's their version of leveling up. Um, so, yeah, there's the, it's pretty major. Um, sorry, make the same John Major joke again if Go you want. Go on, do it. I'm not going to. <laughs> uh, yeah. Wasn't good the first time. Yeah, so, um, so they had a big uh, kind of press conference about it today and unveiled these, I think, 40... 40 point yeah, plan. 40. 40 points? 40 points, yeah. How many of them are good? Well, I was looking at it, and interestingly, I can't remember what point. You have a point that says, uh, we think the House of Lords is indefensible and should be you know, changed. Big words. That's one point. Next point is, we think the House of Lords should be reformed into an elected, blah, blah, blah. Like, make, make the House of the Lords point? thing one point. Yeah. yeah. Mm. But, you know, that's... Rounding up to 30, yeah. 40. At that point, so you just go full 50, right? Mm. Your programmer school and anti-Labour... Uh, Changes to the constitution. I don't think I ever said I was programmer school. That's what I, I took from I that conversation. Well, That's exactly okay. what I took from that conversation. Um, okay, let's focus on the House of Lords. Yeah. Points number seven and eight, <laughs> or whatever they were. <laughs> yeah. Um, what are the actual merits of an elected upper chamber? Because those are the kind of changes that are being proposed here, of going from the kind of... Appointed, appointed yeah, to an elected To an chamber, elected system. Yeah. So what, what are the arguments for it and... Well, with those yeah. in mind, why hasn't it happened I think the, already? The obvious argument for and well against the House of Lords and mm. for an elected upper chamber is just the democratic one. Yeah. Um, I think Keir Starmer. Well, actually, in the document, they call it defensible, morally sorry, morally indefensible to have an unelected upper chamber. Um, Huge. You know, there's lots of you, there's lots of cases to be made about the value of the House of Lords and the work it does, but mm -hmm. at its core, it's not as democratic as an as an elected upper chamber would be. Yeah. Um, also, reforming it more generally would mean cutting the number of lords or whatever we mm -hmm. call them, senators possibly. Um, I don't like that, actually. No, I don't like I that. think even if it was elected, they should still call it lords. Lords still. Senators doesn't sound right. No. Yeah. It sounds American. It does. So, just just to be clear as well, the, the in the actual plan itself, they say that they're going to create a new assembly of the nations and regions, and they want this new upper chamber one of their roles will be to safeguard the constitution um which is obviously slightly different to what current lords yeah. role mm -hmm. is and there's already been some um criticism from of, of this plan so i know you obviously giving the case for yeah. uh a elected are there any chamber. wait are there any others Sorry, you said yes, that's a good democratic point. i feel like there's more democratic more right? you can shrink the size of it <laughs> more representative it's full of kind of old blokes yeah. at the moment it, oh that it, is true actually yeah I it can, gives yeah. them more of a sort of a specific role and, and increases the the separation of powers because yeah. you would you would take some of the powers from the elected house of commons and, and give them the true. lords which if would, they're elected would, you can give them more mm -hmm. to do precisely um which would make and i think it would just increase sort of generally the reputation of the laws I think the, the, the reputation of the lords isn't particularly great um just because it is unelected they get quite a lot of money quite yeah. elitist chamber etc 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 but so those are the broad arguments in favor of mm. changing what are the arguments against besides the fact 
It's called the House of Lords, which is kind of fun. It's got a real kind of Harry Potter energy. It feels kind of magical. These are the main are those points the main being made on magic. You've hit the main ones. Harry I Potter think. and magic. Yeah, Harry Potter. It's They've got all, owls in there. When I'm owls not, in the chamber. When I haven't heard people talking about um, grammar schools and uh, the, the, yeah, the House of Lords, these are the, the magic. This is exactly what I've okay. heard them talk mm. about. Um, but yeah, in sort of less important sort of opposition yeah. to it, there's uh, the fact that um, the especially some of the Conservatives have actually been saying today, that it would turn it more into a situation with the US um, with their two elected chambers, which mm -hmm. means that the division of powers might not be as clear. Sure. Because if you're both elected, you would claim democratic legitimacy mm -hmm. on a number of issues. They also have some issues in America, I I'm sure you've seen, um, that uh, to do with like government shutdowns, things like that, because there's such, sure. such mm. division between the two and they can't agree on that. Here, because the Lords isn't elected, they never claim to have democratic legitimacy. The House of Commons always sure. pulls rank. So okay. you don't have these arguments. The House of Lords will always back down on that. that that's one of the issues. You also, the House of Lords uh, experts. So, the, yes. so obviously some of them have been appointed uh, such as hereditary peers, but they were basically gotten rid of with New Labour. So a lot of them now are experts in mm -hmm. the field. So it's more of a revising chamber. Sure. They don't really have that much power, but they don't need to. They're not elected. So it's, it, it, you get, you're getting rid yeah. of this sort of expert uh, thing. And I think that is the one thing that the House of Lords is fairly underestimated on is its kind of ability to scrutinise and look through legislation. It, yeah, it really and the goes kind of, through line by line. Yeah, and yeah. the debates they have in the Lords are so much more thorough on things like that than anything you see in the yeah. Commons. I mean, mm, you tune into the true. Commons at any time of day during a debate and there's nine people in there and two of them look like they're about to fall asleep. Mm. Like, the Commons outside of the moments you see on TV is dead. <laughs> and sure, they're doing other important things, but you do need people looking through the actual laws rather than just saying kind of, the party promote it like party points. political yeah. stuff at PMQs. Now, could other upper chamber people do that? Of course, but I think the value of the Lords can't be underestimated exactly. in that respect. Mm. And we need to be careful that whoever does replace them, not I'm happy to steal the magic, snatch the wands. <laughs> I am not. I think that is the pushback that I, I, I. Yeah, I think the other thing as well that I just want to want to point out before we move on is that um, because they're not up for election, they're not beholden to um, parties. Mm -hmm. Whips have no impact on them because they, they are there for life. Well, they, they are members they, of parties. Yeah. And you can, be, you can sort of be deselected, but they, they have very little power. And they look at the amount of crossbenchers there are. Well, that's the thing. Are. I think it is divided by party, but it is that num the huge number of crossbenchers that really makes it valuable compared and, to the Commons. And because you're not beholden to elections, you can make unpopular decisions. It's the same yes. argument you make for judges mm. as well. Because you're not beholden to elections, you can make unpopular decisions that you believe are right without fear of mm -hmm. being voted out the next time. And that, that, I think, is part of the reason why the House of Lords works so well as a revising chamber. Because if, for example, <laughs> in the Boris Johnson era, if you were to do something that was undemocratic, that the Conservative Party wanted, proroguing Parliament, for example, you would be pushed into paying lip service to that because you want to either win an election or be selected by the party again, whereas the House of Lords don't have that pressure. I think there is... I, I completely agree with that, but you do end up as well with uh, the fact that they, they're not beholden to any constituents or to an electorate means mm -hmm. that some Lords can just show up uh, or do just show up once a year to vote on something that is in their personal interest and then that's the extent that they participate in the chamber. But... Um, yeah, I mean, I, that's there, not there to generalise the whole thing. Yeah. But. There were ways of tinkering with that without replacing the whole system to, to, mm. to try and disincentivise yeah. such behaviours, such as maybe not paying them for or paying them less for their attendance yeah. or things like that, or requiring you, uh, to, requiring you, to, you to turn yeah. up a certain amount of time to without keep your seat. Turning yeah. the whole, you know, changing the whole system. I, I, I feel like just 
again, very, very quickly, um, just to put my cards on the table, I'm relatively okay with the uh, with the current system of the Lords, mm -hmm. just for, I, I think there are things that would need change, I think that's a good example, but I think that there are problems with an elected upper chamber. I just, okay. I, I want to put my cards on the table, I know that the comments okay. are probably going to slate me for this. That's what you want. Do you want magicians or muggles in the chamber? Uh, I don't like that question. <laughs> uh, that I, that's the frame I, I'm I think we you. should... Uh, well, reform the House of Lords, scrap the House of Lords, replace it with an, ele an elected chamber. Still, I still want it to have less power than the House of Commons, um, and I still want it to have the same scrutin scrutinising function. Sure. Um, but I am sceptical about uh, whether it will actually happen uh, and okay. how successful it will be for a range of reasons. But um, I think one, one, divides, one thing that divides people on whether they're pro-scrapping the House of Lords or keeping it is that some people will look at the prospect of being able to vote for... Mm. Someone in the upper chamber with, you know, joy. They'll think, mm -hmm. excellent, I can be more involved in the democratic process. Other people will look at it and think, not more elections, yeah. not more party not politics. Another one. I think it does depend on who you are. Sure. What about you, Jack? I'm asking the question. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So, obviously, this is a debate which excites you two. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I'm Very hoping excited. some people watching as well. Um, <laughs> But do you think this is something that will actually kind of excite the Labour electorate, the people they're trying to appeal to? Do people want, do people want the magic and the owls being evicted from the from the Lords? Or is this generally just like constitutional stuff that's important, but not necessarily vote winning? Well, just on, on that very question, Thank Starmer you. has actually sort of answered that because um, he, well, I'll just read what he said today. Whenever any politician sets out an answer to the underlying issue, uh, the medium and long term, every journalist says, but I want an answer to what's going on in the next few weeks. And we go on and on. Such mm -hmm. an approach uh, would be going on with sticking a plaster approach forever. Uh, and he also went on, we've been doing that for 12 years. It's one of the reasons we haven't got anywhere. So he's basically just suggesting that, um, you know, journalists are yeah. uh, uh, criticising him for talking about constitutional issues, mm -hmm. uh, whereas these could be sort of the root of the problem that, that could help fix it. Sure. So I think that there, there is definitely a criticism that people right now want to talk about things like the cost of living crisis, mm -hmm. Brexit, you know, cost of energy, war in Ukraine, everything else. Um, why are we talking about constitutional issues? And I think that is the difficulty for Labour at the minute is the fact that I think that is true. A lot of people want to talk about that. I think that the people who do care about this are generally much more uh, politics focused, people who work in politics, people yeah. who really care about it. So I do totally understand it's not exactly going to be, I don't think this is going to be a massive election winning thing for them. Yeah. I think that the hardline Labour supporters and people who are really into politics, the people who care about this. I think on the House of Lords thing specifically, yeah. I think what much of the Labour electorate would like to see is some kind of commitment to proportional representation rather than House of Lords reform. Sure. But I don't think that's likely to happen. Um, on the wider 40 recommendations that they've made, mm -hmm. um, if you look beyond the House of Lords, I think that is something that can ex maybe not excite people, but you know, win people over possibly with yeah. the promise of more power to devolve assemblies, yeah. more power to local government. You um, can see how this kind of appeals in a more laboury way to the kind of levelling up exactly. kind of yeah. appeal. Yeah. Like it's a similar argument about giving more power to various areas of the country, mm -hmm. etc. I mean, in Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland obviously competing against kind of local one well, northern ireland not competing at all but wales and scotland competing against regional parties so like some extra appeal there yeah. maybe i guess against the smp but they need those seats yeah i mean labor well, they don't really they've got they've got lots probably labor have been a few more yeah La labor do want to you know that then they don't want to do another scottish referendum no they don't want uh 
to see Scotland leave, but they, they do recognise that they need to kind of rejig the setup with Scotland so that people in Scotland are satisfied with the yeah. with the system. So that's you know that, that's part of their approach. Uh, one of the interesting recommendations actually is to give Scotland the power to enter into international agreements mm. uh, relating to the areas in which they have their own power over, if that makes sense. Yes. So they couldn't, you know, join a military alliance or something, but they would be able to do something to do with climate change or, you know, that type of thing. So that would be quite an interesting That would thing be interesting. That um, is very, that's, yeah, I, I haven't noticed Why didn't we leave with that? Yeah. yeah. Hmm, never Apologies. mind. Um, so these 40 points, as Ben said in the intro, I think, this is just kind of a, a report looking into these various things. This isn't the finalized list necessarily. Might be 41, might be 42. Yeah, nice. might, might consolidate a couple, get it down to around 30. Yeah. Um, but why is it that these aren't finalized? And why might some of these not actually end up in the final manifesto? I think, um, well... The reason why they might not end up in the final manifesto is because uh, Labour is, you know, a democratic party, and that its manifesto is effectively voted on by its kind of, yeah, mem- uh, you know, delegates and, and executive committee and stuff. Um, and so, some people will support some of the things, some mm-hmm. people won't. Uh, I also think the closer you get to an election, uh, the more you have to start prioritising things. Um, and I know Keir Starmer was saying that what he said about. Uh, when people question, you know, why are you focusing on constitutional reform when there's, you know, all these immediate problems? Um, he can say that now, but I, I think he knows that mm-hmm. the closer they come to power, the more they do have to prioritise what is, or at least look to be prioritising the kind of immediate things, especially if the economy is in a bad, in a bad mm-hmm. situation. Um, and you can look at that with every other attempt to House of Lords reform. Absolutely. It's always been something that's been promised by governments. Even the Conservative yeah. and Lib Dem coalition, mm-hmm. they promise to to kind of move towards House of Laws reform and it got dropped because uh, there was internal opposition but also because just other things happened yeah. and these kind of long-term changes um, you know as great as they sound uh, when you kind of look at what it might look like mm-hmm. the governments just only have a certain amount of energy and time they can put into things and if they think that you know, it's better spent yeah. working on the economy than they'll do that instead of reforming the House of Lords or whatever. I was gonna, I was gonna say the exact same thing yeah. about uh-huh. um, the previous Sorry. previous attempts to um, yeah. to reform the House of Lords. You just you get into government and you know events overtake yeah. your plans. It's just it's just how it works. So even beyond it being in the manifesto, it's it's you know even if it's voted on, it goes in the manifesto. I'd be skeptical that they yeah. would ever change it. La- Labour, Gordon Brown, who wrote this. Was yeah. in government in '97 yeah. and, and and promised I, to make huge sweeping reforms to the House of Lords I and got rid of some. Don't want peers. to have a go at Gordon Brown. He spent two years on this constitutional mm. reform uh, thing, Ooh, but it's spicy. Yeah, the episode. If you know, if 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 the House of Lords thing in particular makes it into the manifesto, that's not a big deal because the last, at least the last three Labour manifestos said they wanted to move towards an elected upper chamber. Mm-hmm. Like that's you know whatever. If they put it in this time, that's just a continuation of that. But the changes to the system of local government, devolved mm. government, regional government, everything, that would be a much bigger deal. Mm-hmm. And I think they would go ahead with that if they win the next election. Um, Labour, Labour, rather than the Lord stuff. Labour have been the party of devolution as well. I mean, they were the, mm. they were the ones yeah. that introduced devolution to Northern Ireland, um, Scotland and Wales. So yeah. I think it, it sort of makes sense for them to, to increase devolution. You know, Gordon Brown was, was big into devolution. 
Um, it's a stinks of a Gordon Brown policy, uh, yeah. increasing devolution. Classic, uh, classic, classic Gordon, Gordon Brown, Brown, isn't it? It yeah. is classic Gordon Brown. Vintage Gordon. Um, so, yeah, no, I, I, I agree with that as well. Yeah. Sorry, I want to disagree with you all the other stuff. It's more it's exciting, just too difficult. Too difficult when I'm spouting truth. That's the, exactly. that's the difficulty. Yeah, that is true. Yeah. You need to go more, we need to, we need to have bigger disagreements. <laughs> yeah. Well, maybe next time. Thanks for joining us for a discussion about why some Tories don't like grammar schools and some do. And then a discussion, a quick rundown of 40 recommendations that aren't in a manifesto yet. And even if they are, and even if they win on the manifesto, likely won't end up happening. Uh, If you've made it to the end of this this summary, it's it's incorrect summary. If you've made it to the end of this episode and you want to tell us what you think of it and your thoughts on the on grammar schools, yeah, on the forty, what's your favourite? Read through all forty, yeah. t- rank them. I want them stack ranked the entire forty. Okay. Can I, can I ask people? Are we asking people to In tweet the, us. Tweet us. Tweet us those and use the the, the secret word chandelier in your response oh. in order to let us know you watch to the end. And also, yeah. I don't want anyone just saying chandelier at the end. No hate to anyone that's done well, this previously. You need to tell them where to tweet. But just, I'm, I'm getting there. Oh, I'm getting okay, there. Okay, Ben's okay. just trying to plug his own Twitter just account. Put it, see what he's doing. Put it in nicely. <laughs> Don't just dump it at the Damn end right, of the tweet. Yeah. I don't want people knowing it's a code word. You need to sneak it in. You I want, want people, people being to say, like, huh. I think they should get rid of the magic of the House of Lords, get rid of the chandeliers in the House of Lords. Very nice. Yeah. Someone's going to tweet I don't that like, word Don't use that. That's I mine. like grammar school. I hate grammar schools just full of posh Rory's and chandeliers. Yeah, very good. And anyway. also, I know that people are going to give me hate for my views in the House of Lords, and that's fine, but if you're going to do it, send it to at TLDR Ben. So tag <laughs> at TLDR Ben, at TLDR Jack, and at TLDR News UK. And if you've got any space left in the tweet on your word count, yeah. then mention a chandelier if you want to. Yeah. Anyway. I can't believe I've just plugged people to send me hate. You said, if you want to send hate to me, make sure I see it. Yeah. Tag me in it. Yeah. 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 Bring it round to my doorstep. Yeah. yeah. This episode <laughs> of The Bigger Issue was brought to you by me, Jack Kelly, um, alongside Ben Blissett and Rory Taylor. Thank you. Yeah. Behind the cameras today and producing the episode was Jan Adamic. Editing today was either Jan or Scarlett Watchorn. This was a t- <laughs> <laughs> this was a TLDR News production for Three Twenty Six Limited. This has got too American. Hello and welcome to the Big Issue, the podcast where we. A podcast where we can't do intros. Labour have been in the news today. Why? <laughs> <laughs>